Well, hello again, Pastor Brown from Akron Lions Fellowship. Hope that you've been enjoying the past messages. And today we want to look at uh, John chapter 15, 1 through verse 8. It's talking about the vine and being connected to the vine. And I want to, next couple of weeks, talk to you about being blessed by the Lord. So many of us as Christians are not living the abundant life and not living in the blessings that God desires for us. And uh, I'd like to encourage you that we live in such a way that God can bless us. And that he can cause us to be fruitful. And that he allows us the privilege of shining for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But before we start into the message, I want to thank the people of Akron Lions Fellowship. I want to thank you for a job well done. You are precious in the sight of the Lord. And you have been more than a blessing to the church and to one another. And I want to thank you for your prayers, first of all, for praying for us during this time which we're going through with this coronavirus. Um, I want to thank you for those that uh, have prayed for those who have been sick with coronavirus and have overcome it. I want to thank you for your faithful giving <clears throat> and support during these days. You are a wonderful group of people. And it is indeed a privilege to be called your pastor. And I don't take that lightly. And I pray that I live up to all of your expectations, but more than that, to that of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But again, I want to encourage you that on first Sunday in March, we're hoping to go back into the building. I'm, I'm praying that uh, many of you would be able to have had your first shot. Uh, you will feel safe in coming back into the building we will still keep our distancing we will continue to wear masks we will continue to wash our hands we will continue to kind of hold off from hugging one another and and so forth but we'll give the bump uh we can wave uh we're able to do other things to allow one another know that we're thinking about each other and praying for each other. But uh, I'm looking as these numbers continue to go down, and I'm praying that they'll go down drastically, that we might be able to be back in the building first Sunday in March. It may not be in there too long, because if the weather starts breaking for us, some of you have already asked, can we pick back up where we just meet outside? 
Um, well, that's a possibility. Uh, uh, many of you seem that you've enjoyed meeting out in the parking lot, and we may continue doing that. And uh, we just praise God for it, and if that's his will, we'll do it. So uh, just keep praying for one another. Don't forget to call each other. <clears throat> Don't forget to uh, hold each other up in prayer. And again, I just want to thank you. And for those of you that might be just uh, watching, God bless you. I pray that through some of these messages that it has challenged your hearts, your thinking, and that you can sense that you're also growing in Christ. Uh, you don't have to be a member of Akron Lions Fellowship to enjoy the things that we at Akron Lions Fellowship enjoy. You're more than welcome to be a part and come and sit at the table and uh, feast on the word of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, you're more than welcome. And again, I just want to thank you for listening in, if you are. And may God continue to bless you. May God continue to challenge you. And I want you to know it is the work of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives that bring us to that place where we surrender to him. It is not the work of a Pastor Brown or, or elders or deacons or anyone else. It is really the work of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. And we're praying even through this message that the Holy Spirit might do his work. And that is to teach us. That is to convict us. And that is to minister to us and to encourage us to run on for the Lord. And uh, we just want to thank him. Well, let's have prayer and let's get into the message. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for this Sunday. We want to thank you, oh God, for February 7th. And we ask, oh God, that you would bless today as we open your word. Would you allow us once again to sit at the feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be taught of thy Holy Spirit? Help us, O oh God, to have ears to hear, a heart, O oh God, to receive, and a mind willing to perform. We want to glorify you, but we need to know how to live as Christians. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen just because we ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into our heart that now we know how to live as Christians. But you gave us an instructional book, a book that is able, O oh God, to teach us the things that you are expecting of us and how to live as Christians. Would you teach us now? Would you minister to us? And may we know that it's you who's doing the work in our lives. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we're going to be going to John chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at the area of the vine and the branches, and I want to connect it into this overall next couple of weeks, this blessing that comes through being connected to Jesus Christ, that we are blessed because of our relationship 
to a person. We are seeing life improve for us and and that doesn't mean always improvement from a worldly standpoint where we're gaining something new in this and something different in this and we're getting a bigger house or better car, more money in the bank and uh, we're dressing better and we're eating better. That's not the improvement I'm talking about. I'm talking about self-improvement in here and up here. That as we get into God's word and we stay connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, he ministers to us. He changes our attitudes. He changes how we see kindness, how we see gentleness. He changes how we treat people and talk to people and how we encourage people. He does something in us in such a way that we are able to truly be used by the Holy Spirit to glorify Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that's the real blessing. That's the real blessing. Oftentimes, we see blessings as gaining more. We see blessings as uh, something that he's allowed me to overcome. And, and, and that's all fine. And, and those are blessings. I think there's these large blessings, there's these smaller blessings, and then there's mercy. And mercy is not blessings. Blessings is God's favor upon his children. Mercy is that which God does for everybody. He's merciful. Uh, The blessing is for the children of God. For those who are anchored into the Lord Jesus Christ. The blessings are to equip us as the gifts are of the Holy Spirit to be able to minister and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be blessed and strengthened that we can truly glorify him. And Jesus is going to teach us some things through this lesson of the vine and the branches. And first of all, I want you to recognize the vine is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. The branches, that's the saints. That's us. The Father, he's the gardener. He's the owner of it all. And he has his part to play also. Because it says he prunes. He cuts away. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Because sometimes we get that all confused that God takes us and throws us into hell. And no, no. I'm not talking about that. And I know some interpret some parts of this passage as such. But I want to talk to you about the area of being used of God. And though you may name the name of Christ, I don't know if you're saved or not. Only God knows. 
but because you may be cut away, and I want you to understand, you're cut away because of your own sin. You're removed because of your own sin. You're like a branch absorbing sap, but bring forth no fruit, no leaves, and you're still basically dead, but yet you're attached to it, and you are robbing energy or life-giving support for the other branches. And anyone who attends any fruit trees know you cut off the dead branches. That it does not interfere with the source of the good branches receiving all the nourishment that they might be able to receive in order to bring forth fruit. So when we start in that 15.1, Jesus says, I am. So he's pointing to himself right off the bat. He says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. There's no one else like him that is able to really give life and give what he's going to give him. There's no one else that you can really call Savior other than the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no one else who can give you eternal life. There is no one else who can truly say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. I am the true vine. And Jesus wants us to know that from the very starting point, coming out of the gate. He is the vine. Then he says, and my Father is the gardener. He's the owner. He's the owner all over all of this. I am the vine, but he's the gardener. He's the gardener. And then it says, he cuts off every branch, and we're the branches. So he gives us a clear warning here that I think sometimes we don't take seriously. We're like Israel in the Old Testament saying, God won't do this. God won't do this. He won't destroy his temple. God won't destroy the place where people come to worship him. God will not allow his name to be dragged through the mud. And God will not allow his standards and principles to be ignored even by his own people. And we see that with Israel. God expects his people to be obedient unto him, whether they are Old Testament saints or New Testament saints. The key is two words. One, my people. Secondly, obedience. He expects that of us, obedience to his word, and that recognizing we are his people. And once we understand who we belong to, we perform differently because we're empowered to do so by him. And he says, the father is the gardener. 
and he cuts off every branch. Again, that's talking about us. In me that bears no fruit. What's the reason that one is cut off? One is not living as a Christian. One's life is not changed one iota from the moment that they have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ. They're still living and thinking like the world. And he says he cuts them off. He cuts them from the blessing and the joy and the peace and the prosperity, the spiritual prosperity that one can have in Christ. He cuts them off from that. That they themselves may come to their own senses and recognize how much they really need the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever looked at some people who call themselves Christians and yet they're always in messes? Life is messed up. Children are messed up. They live more like the world than they do living for Christ. They live in this kingdom of the world rather than the kingdom of our God. They do things more like the world than like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as the word then defines us how we should live and conduct ourselves. That is an issue in Christianity. That we don't know how long it takes for a transformation to really take seat and to change a person's life. But we should be able to see something. We should be able to see a person really struggling, not so much in their sin, but struggling to live in the manner in which Christ has called them to live. That's the struggle. That's the fight. Not the sin. And yet we see people constantly being destroyed by that sin because they will not choose to live under the umbrella of the authority of the word of God and stay anchored to Jesus Christ. And he says the father cuts them off. He cuts them off. He's the gardener. He cuts them off. The branches in me that bears no fruit. So there's no Christian fruit at all in their life that is being demonstrated. Oh, their mouth run. Oh, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Lord, Lord, didn't I confess you? Lord, Lord, didn't it? And only God knows the heart. He says, man looketh on the outer, but God looks at the heart. And Jesus says he knows the heart of every man, and he truly does. And he said to those in Matthew 7, I know you're not. I know you're not. Yes, you say, Lord, Lord. But I don't know you. There's no fruit there. There's nothing really there. And again, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm trying to encourage you who have said that you're born again and you love the Lord, but there's no fruit, there's nothing there that demonstrates in your life 
that you really love the Lord. There's no faithfulness to the Lord. There's no loyalty to the Lord. There's no obedience to the Lord. Everything is about you satisfying yourself or your flesh. There is no spiritual sacrificing being done in order to grow in Christ. There is no commitment of building God's church and seeing other people really come to a saving knowledge of Christ and grow. You are more of a stumbling block. You're more of a hindrance. You're more of a shamefulness to the gospel by the way some of us live. We bring shame to the gospel. And there are many people who will tell you, no, they don't believe in Jesus Christ, and they'll tell you why. Look at some of the Christians. That's why. Now, what I want to talk about is, yeah, why are we living in such a manner? And how can I live differently? And that's what the vine talks about in this story. He says, for every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even more fruit, that it will be even more fruitful. It will bring forth more fruit, that the gardener, the father, prunes us that we can bring forth more fruit. More fruit where? More fruit in our own lives. More fruit outside of our lives. And the fruit, I want to suggest, may be our deeds. The things that we do. And that's in us personally. And that's those things that we do outwardly. Our deeds. But inside, it has to take place first. The fruit has to hang on the tree first. And it has to ripen. Before somebody will pick it and eat it and give testimony of how good it is. It is something that has to take place inside and be demonstrated on the outside before somebody really picks it. They have to see, boy, that's ripe. That's ready to be picked. That's ready to be used. But that's because it's been changed on the inside and the nourishment and the source that would build it and cause it to be ripened and bring it to that place where it's usable. That fruit hung on the tree. It didn't drop off. It wasn't picked too early. It's the right time. And it, the tree or the vine brings forth fruit through the branches. But it has supplied all the nourishment that that branch needs to bring forth the fruit. Jesus is our source. He provides all the nourishment in our lives. 
to bring forth the fruit that the Father so desires. He says, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So even in the Christian life, God is cutting away these things that hinder us from bringing forth the type of fruit that he wants. He doesn't cut the whole branch, but he cuts some of it. That the sap, that the energy, that the source that Jesus Christ gives unto us can really be used to its fullest potential. Now, if you drop down into verse 6 with me, let's hit this real quick, and then we're going to come back up through. He says in that verse 6, If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And I want to really hit the word like. This is what you are like when you are not obedient to the Lord. This is what you are like when you yourself will not allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You're something that is dead and cannot bring forth fruit, cannot bring forth life. You become useless. You cannot be used in any manner in his kingdom or in his work. That doesn't mean that you won't be saved by fire. That doesn't mean that you're not saved. It means that you have, in a sense, chosen not to stay connected to the source. You have chosen not to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. You have chosen Not to be a doer of this word. You have chosen. And the whole issue here is for you to abide and for you to stay connected to your source, the Lord Jesus Christ. That you might be fruitful. But you're the one that has to choose. Will you stay connected? Will you abide in Jesus And he gives you this warning that the Father will cut you off. You're the one that makes the choice. If you're going to abide. And if you're going to stay connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in that verse 6 again. If anyone does not remain. If anyone does not remain. That's a that's a choice. Do you choose to remain or do you choose to walk away? Do you choose to do it God's way or do you choose it to do it your way? Do you choose to follow the instructions of how to live, how to date, how to be a good employee, how to be a good employer? Do you choose to follow the instructions of God in how to be a good neighbor or do you choose your way or the way of the world. See, one of the things by staying connected is this. You're going to learn. You're going to learn how to be the Christian that God wants you to be, but you cannot learn that 
being absent from him, being disconnected from him. And he says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like, like a branch that is thrown away and withered. This past year, we cut down some trees at the church. One of the things that had to be cut first were, were branches before we got to the trunk of the tree. We had to cut branches. But once you cut that branch and it laid there for a day or two, you begin to see those leaves wither. You begin to see them draw up and dry out. Because they were not getting the energy, the source, the food that they needed from the trunk of the tree. When we separate ourselves from Jesus Christ and we walk away from him and we choose to sin and live outside of his boundaries, we begin to wither. We begin to dry up. Notice it never says that the Father throws you into the fire. Because he's talking, he's giving us this illustration. That we're like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. That he's trying to demonstrate to us how unuseful our lives are if we're not connected to him. He's trying to show us that we're just dead if we're not connected to him because we're not connected to the source. We're not connected to the strength, to the power that allows us to live this Christian life. To live a victorious life. To live an abundant life. To live a successful life in marriage. And raising our children. And in our workplace. And being the good neighbor that we should be. That if we're not connected with him. We wither up. We dry up. And we die. We're not living that Christian life. We're not vibrant. We're not jealous for the Lord. There's nothing there that if someone really investigates our lives that says, I really love the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's missing in Christianity. And people, I beg of you, if you name the name of Christ, begin to demonstrate or show forth that you really love the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm not talking about going out. Trying to knock somebody down with Jesus. And Jesus this. Jesus that. Jesus that. No. I'm talking about you living. Consistently. A Christian life. That somebody watches. And they ask you. Why is your life so different? Why do you live this way? How did you overcome this? And Peter tells us, always be ready to give an answer of the hope that lieth in us. Because if we live such a way, people will ask us, 
People will talk to us because people are troubled in this world. And we are the people who should be at peace because we know the Prince of Peace. And he says, you'll be like a branch that is thrown away and withered. He doesn't say you're thrown out of the body. He doesn't say you're no longer a Christian. But you're useless. You're useless. Go with me to Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. This is something that enriches us. Gives us a little bit more insight. Because everybody in the body of Christ is not going to be a Spurgeon or a Morgan or a Moody or A.B. Simpson or a Tozier or some great Christian that you've known or heard about. Every one of us is not going to be a pastor, although we are all ministers, because we're all called to minister this life-giving word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he says in 2 Timothy 2.20, listen to it. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Now, I don't want to be wood and clay. They both have a value. Many of us eat off clay plates. Many of our vases and our jars are made out of clay material. And they look beautiful. But they're only clay. And they only carry just a certain value or worth. But when you step up into silver now and gold, they have a much higher value and worth. If I had a choice, I'd like to be somewhere in that gold and silver. I'd like to be someone who could say, boy, even with the Lord, that's a worthy servant. That's a valuable servant. That's somebody that I love to use because of their faithfulness and loyalty. And he's valuable to my kingdom and to the people of God. How would you like to be seen? Gold as gold and silver or wood and clay? Which one would you really like to be seen as? In the eyes of God. And even in the eyes of people. That you're very valuable. We talk about companies. Paying people for what they're worth. There are some people. Who work for a company. That are more valuable than others. There's no such thing that. Human life is not valuable. But there is a greater degree of value. Some companies, they recognize 
And I want to clarify with this. Nobody's expendable. Why? We're all going to die. Every company is going to lose some good people because of death or retirement. It comes to an end. But they value that worker. And they'll pay for a good worker. And they'll pay above scale for an excellent worker. Because they know what that worker is worth to that company. And that company would not be the same if they didn't have that employee. And that's the way it is in the body of Christ. The kingdom of God would not be the same without a D.L. Moody or a Spurgeon or a Morgan or a Finney. It would not be the same without a Paul, a Peter, a Mark, a John. It would not be the same without a Daniel. It'd be something a little different. And he says that are worthy. In a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself, what has to happen now? Now, now remember, the Lord cuts. Why? It's dead. It's not showing for any life. It's not accepting the source that comes through Jesus Christ, the sap that comes through Jesus Christ, the life that comes through Jesus Christ. It's not accepting it. It's there. But there's no reason for it to really be there. It's useless. And the gardener cuts it. And he says, if a man cleanses himself, a lot of us as Christians got to take time and look at our lives. Get on our knees. Lord, take this foul mouth away from me. Because I understand what James says. Sweet water and bitter water cannot come out the same faucet. Take it away from me. Have to pray like David. Lord, my eyes will not be fixed on that which is unclean. You have to pray for your eyes. You have to pray for your mouth. And today you got to pray for your ears. That you don't get comfortable hearing a bunch of foul, foul mouth people. Sometimes that can be in your own family. And yes, you may have to tolerate it some. But you never want to grow to a place that you're comfortable with it. And you never want to get to a place that you use it just to fit in. But that you're going to honor the Lord by not using words that are not appropriate. We don't need to add some of the profanity, the adjectives, that are used to describe certain things. We can do that 
in a very decent and honorable way without speaking in such a fashion that degrades our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It degrades us as Christians to use such words as the world used them. And I think you know about what I'm talking about. We don't have to cuss in order to allow somebody to know we're dissatisfied with what they're doing. We don't have to resort to calling women different names to be able to allow them to know we're a little bit upset. He says again, if a man cleanses himself, if you don't know how to cleanse yourself, that's what we're going to learn back there in 15, because the Lord says you've already been cleansed. Cleansed by what? By the word. But if you're not in the word, you don't have any Brillo pads. You don't have any Mr. Clean. You don't have anything that will help clean up your life. But if you're in the word, it's going to rub you. It's going to get that hard grease off of you. It's going to get that burnt stuff off of you that comes from the world. It's going to remove stuff from your life. If you're in the word, it's going to cause you to even run away from somebody that you know doesn't mean you any good. Because the word separates us from sin. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purpose, made holy, useful. Made what? Holy and useful. Do you want to be made holy and useful? If you do, stay connected to Christ. If you do, stay in Christ. Abide in Christ. Talk with Christ. Be in prayer constantly throughout the day. I'm not talking about being on your knees, hands folded. I mean, even as you're walking there on the job, talk to the Lord Jesus Christ. Allow the word of God to run through your mind. Allow the thoughts of God to penetrate your mind and your heart. Daydream of heaven. Daydream of what God may be doing out on the mission field. Now, I don't mean lose consciousness of what you're doing and, and you got an obligation to do your work. Do that. But there can be a smile on your face that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ because what you and him are talking about inwardly. Uh, there can be a joy in you that puts a little hop in your step because you and the Holy Spirit are just full of joy and there's something going on on the inside. He says, cleanse yourself. Because you have the ability to do that through the Word of God. And most people put this Bible down. And that's what Satan wants you to do. Why? It's like trying to take a bath without a bar of soap. It cleanses you. It cleanses you. 
If a man cleanses himself, washes himself in the word, in the blood of Christ, from the latter he will be an instrument. Look what you'll be, an instrument for noble purpose, made holy, useful. Do you want to be useful in the kingdom of God? Do you want to be useful and be used of the Holy Spirit? It doesn't, nowhere in scripture does it tell you you have to go to some seminary, you have to be a kumai something, uh, uh, you have to walk across somebody's stage and get a diploma. What it does tell us, we have to be willing to be obedient and humble to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be used and to cleanse ourselves from the things of this world. And he says, boy, holy and useful to the master and prepared. Catch that word prepared. See, you're being prepared to be used if you stay connected with Jesus Christ. You're being prepared to be used by the Holy Spirit to accomplish the will of God. Prepared to do any good work. Now when we go back over here and we get into that verse 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word. You're already clean because of what? The word. The word I spoke to you. The word I've spoken to you. Jesus' words will clean us. It will separate us from this world. If we entertain his word and allow his word to fill our mind and our hearts, it will separate us from the world and the way in which the world thinks. And we begin to think anew with a new mind. And we begin to develop that mind of Christ as we hear his words. It's like a young kid who hears a song or a rap song and you hear them. They're not the artists. They're not the ones who produce those words. But they have memorized those words and they're singing those words and they're just a bopping and they're just a snapping and they're just a going. But they're not his words. They're somebody else's words. But those words bring joy to that heart. Those words bring a reaction that we are able to see. God's word brings a joy to our hearts. But it also brings an action that other people are able to see. Just like that young child who's singing that song, doing that rap, and that action is there, and they're just a going. God's word does that for the Christian. It excites us. It excites us. And people are able to see that something takes place because of the word of God. And he says, boy, in that verse 3 again, you are already clean because of the word. You're already. No, you already have all that you have need of to cleanse yourself if you're in the word of God. But if you're not in here, if you're not reading what Jesus has said, 
then you're trying to do this on your own. And you're disconnected from the real source. You are living a life of deception. And you are deceiving yourself. And the word tells us in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitfully wicked and who can know it but God. You can't know your own heart. And you're finding yourself doing things and somewhere you have quenched the Holy Spirit because, see, the Christian cannot continue to live in sin and not battle with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will not let you live comfortably in sin. He won't let you. Now you can quench him. And you don't want to hear from him. And you find yourself cut off out of fellowship with the Father. You're missing your blessing. You're missing the abundant life. You're missing living in the will of God who has a plan for your life. And basically what you've told God, I'm going to do life my way. Thank you for saving me, but I'm going to do life my way. And that's hard. And some of you have made the same sinful mistake over and over and over and over again. Some of you young ladies have picked the same man over and over and over again. There's no excuse to having three or four children out of wedlock. No excuse at all. Other than just pleasing the sinful flesh. There's no reason for a man to have four or five children. And they're scattered all around. And he really doesn't know them. And he doesn't take responsibility for them. He doesn't want to pay for them. He wants the taxpayers to pay for them, to feed them, to clothe them. But he's the one who laid down for three or four minutes of pleasure and don't want to pay the prostitute. You have it within yourself to cleanse yourself. Through the word of God that has been spoken. If you get into this word seriously and dig into it, no pastor has to tell you how to live. No elder or deacon has to come and tell you, you need to be doing this or this or that. No deaconess need to run alongside you and say, honey, uh, you shouldn't live this way. You shouldn't be in this no man has to come alongside another man and say, son, you're making a terrible mistake that you're going to pay for for the next 18, 20 years. And you get four or five of them out there, you're going to be broke. And if you don't pay for it now, you're going to pay for it later. There is no free lunch. The thing is simply this. You miss your blessing. The word of God is so good when he says, 
He can restore what the locust has destroyed. He can. But somewhere you and I have to recognize we got to be connected to him and abiding in him. And he says in that verse 4, it becomes very clear. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Look at that promise. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You remain in me and I'm going to remain in you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to give up on you. He who has begun a good work in you, he will continue it until the day in which you see Christ. Now, what kind of life you live from the day that you accept Christ to the day that you see him face to face, that's going to be up to you. You can live the bankrupt life as though you had no spiritual life because you chose to live like the world rather than like God would have you to live as a saint and a child of the living God. Every child, I believe, would do much better with the real mom and dad. But there are times, you know it and I know it, that child does better by not being with that real mom and dad. But there's an aching and there's something in here in that child's life that desires to be with mom and dad. No matter what. They would love to be with that mom and dad. And that's the longing the Christian should have. That I long to be with my heavenly father. I long to be with my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I long to be connected with the Holy Spirit and live this spiritual life that is pleasing to God. He says, remain in me. And that's something we have to be able to do. And we have to sometime command ourselves, stay in Jesus. And you got to tell yourself that. I'm going to stay in Jesus. No matter what comes. I'm going to stay with Jesus. And he says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Catch that. You can't do this by yourself. And you need to understand That you can't do it by yourself. And God. In his infinite wisdom. Somehow chose to do it this way. That we. He calls us co-labors together. That we got to work at this thing together. It, it, It is not something that can be done. By one individual. Yes God could made us puppets and made us exactly what he wanted us to be. He could have took away the free will from us the moment we were saved and we would do every little thing he wanted us to do. But he says, the reason you obey me and keep my commandments is that you love me. 
God is interested in a love relationship with us. Not a forced relationship. Not a use me relationship. But a love relationship. So he made it in such a way we work with each other. We work together in accomplishing the things that he wants us to accomplish in life. Even to the point of improving my own life and making my own life better and changing my own character. We work together on that. I can't change me. And he won't change me without me working with him and obeying him in those areas. And I know some people just say, oh, God is all sovereign. He'll just do it. No. God could have made it for every one of us would be in heaven with him. He didn't do that because of that little thing called free will. I hold to election to a certain point. Yes, God did choose, but he also gave me a right to choose, to choose him and to love him. And he wants me to love him for my own free will or choice. He doesn't make me a robot to just love him. And he could have done that. Elaine loves me because she chooses to love me. I love her. And sometimes I thank God. I wouldn't know what to do without her. I love her. Just today I was thinking as she was leaving out of the house. She's a beautiful 77-year-old woman who doesn't look 77. And I love her. And that's God who's given us the ability to love. And that's why he wants me to love him because I've chosen to love him and to draw close to him. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I do everything. Boy, he knows he got a hard-headed child here. And I'm a slow learner. It takes me a while to catch it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's fellow workers. We work with him. Why? Because he works with us. You are God's field, God's building. That's who I am. I'm his field. What do you do in the field? You go work it. <laughs> you got to get the rocks out of it if you're going to plant anything good in it. If you're going to plant something that's going to bring forth fruit or if you're going to plant a garden, you got to get those big boulders out the way. You got to get those things out the way. You got to turn that dirt over. You got to do something to that ground. And God got to do something in my life to make me useful for him. He's done the main thing connected me with Christ now you and I got to stay connected we got to choose to stay connected we're the ones who got to say boy this is good this is good this is good taste and see how good the Lord is this is good 
And then he goes on. Just bear with me just a little bit longer. He says, again, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. That's the reason I got to stay connected. I can't change me. And I can't do any good work because there's nothing good in me that would prompt that good work other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself dwelling in me in the power of the Holy Spirit to do good deeds, to show kindness, to be gentle towards other people, to give words of encouragement to people. And he says again, I must remain in him simply because I can do nothing without him. No branch can bear fruit by itself. I can't produce anything that is worthy of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ without him. It must remain, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He repeats himself. I have to stay connected to that source. He goes on in verse 5 and 6. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. You're going to bear fruit in your life. And your deeds outside of your life. There's things that are going to be useful for others. And that's what fruit is. It's something to be picked. It's something to be enjoyed by others. It's things that happen in your life that brings joy into your life. It's something that changes you. And it grows. And then it's demonstrated on the outside that helps others. And he says... Simply, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Third time he's saying this. You can do nothing. And somehow it takes a while to get through this hit. You can't have a proper relationship without Jesus Christ with other people. You can't have a good marriage without Jesus Christ being in the midst of it. You can't handle your own money without Jesus Christ teaching you how to handle money. Not about how much money you make. It's about what you do with what you make. You can't have really true friends without Jesus Christ working in your life to develop friendships in a proper manner. You can't even speak well without using all the profanity Unless God takes it away from you. Yes, we need to be connected. We need to be connected to him. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away. Withers, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, there it is again. If you remain in me, in verse 7. And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Now, two conditions. 
You can ask anything you want, but two conditions have to be met. Not just one of them, two of them have to be met. I want you to catch those two conditions that he's going to give to us here in that verse 7. One, if you remain in me, you can ask anything you want. But that's just one of the conditions. The second one, and my words remain in you. That the word of God is in you. Why? The word of God is going to give you your boundaries, your confinement. It is the word of God that's going to reveal the will of God. That you're not asking for something outside of what God himself would even grant you. See, there's no use of me saying, God, I'm going to rob so-and-so bank. And I want you to protect me as I go in there. And that, Lord, you can't... Just blink out the cameras, and I'm going to steal $100,000. Lord, would you allow me? That's a foolish prayer. Why? God says, don't steal. Don't steal. I won't pray something that goes against God's principles and standards. So my prayers and my requests are within the boundaries and the guidelines of his word. So his word teaches me how to pray. And he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, there are the two conditions. When those two things are reality in your life, you can ask whatever you wish. And it will be given you. Why? It will be within the guidelines and the boundaries that God allows for him to function in your life. It allows him to bless you because you're within the boundaries. And he's able to bless you then. And he goes on and he says, this is to my father's glory. God is pleased when he's able to bless his children. And you're able to truly glorify him because you know from which the blessing has come from. And you know what God has done in your life. This is to my Father's glory. And who do we give glory to? Who do we give praise to? Who do we give thanks to? It gives us a different picture of God. When we pray and we see Him work and Him answering our prayers and He's doing things that we know that only He Himself could have done, we glorify Him. And we tell others about how good He's been. It builds our testimony. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Why? You can do nothing without me. So it's going to take me being involved. What was Jesus doing all the time in ministry? He said he come to glorify his Father. He even told his Father... Go to John 17 because it's so important. He says, Father, the time has come 
Look at verse 1 in John 17. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. What is the son going to do as you two work and you are performing? He's going to glorify the father. And the father is going to answer your prayer because he knows the action that's going to take place is going to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit that the Son might be glorified and the Father glorified. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now listen to it. Showing yourself to be my disciples. Showing yourself to be what? My disciples. When you stay connected, when you abide in the Lord Jesus Christ, you show yourself being his disciple. Because people are going to ask, why are you doing that? Who taught you that? Why are you acting this way? Why do you believe this? And it all goes back to the work that Jesus has done in your life. And it demonstrates that you have sat at the feet of Jesus and you have learned his words. And you're doing what James says, not to just be a hearer of his word, but you participating and you are actually performing and doing and living out his word. What a joy it is to see God work in our lives, to see his hand move, to see him change me and to change you and to open doors for us. That's exciting. It's amazing what God will do when you stay connected and abide in Jesus Christ. If you haven't tried it, try it. If you're living in sin, ask God to forgive you of your sin and to begin to build an abundant life for you, to bless you. But you have to really be sincere and you have to mean it. That you want God to bless your life because the blessings at first may not be what you really want. But they're good for you. They're good for you. And you'll see down the road and you'll say it. It's a blessing. Again, I can't say enough of this friend and uh, as we spent time again together. And we just talked about how God has blessed us and the position we're in today and the freedom we have today and the joy that we have today and how God has blessed us. But we really don't see how meaningful the blessings were until we look backwards. And say, thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for so-and-so who you sent into my life. 
Thank you for a word of wisdom and knowledge that came into my ears. Thank you for stopping me from doing this, this, or that. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing. But it all comes through this one little thing, abiding in Jesus. And all you have to do, if you're in sin, wake up and say to God, I don't want to live this way no more. I want my life to be pleasing to you. I want my life to be pleasing to my children. I want my life to show prosperity spiritually and physically. I want my life to be an example to other young ladies and other young men. I want my life to be valuable and not just drug through the mud. I want people to have a respect for me that I can't bring about on my own, but you're able to, God. Would you build me? Would you connect me in such a way to Jesus Christ that there'd never be a thought of letting go or being unconnected? That I would say like Peter, Lord, if I were to leave you, to whom would I go? And understand there's nowhere to go but to stay connected with Jesus. Father, we thank you and praise you for your provision that you provided all that we have need of in Jesus Christ. Help us, O oh God, to realize we can't live this life, nor can we change our life, nor can we make life better for ourselves or our loved ones without Jesus Christ. Would you anchor us to him? Would you tie us to him? And I'm so thankful, Lord, that you hold on to me and you have promised never to leave me nor forsake me. So, Lord, do your work. Do your work in the lives of people. May they see your hand move. Maybe there's someone, Lord, who is doubting, who says this is just a myth. Uh, this is just some fairy tale. This is just some book that so-and-so put together and some other men put together. And they want us to believe this lie. Lord, would you show them that your word is not a lie? That your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword? Would you demonstrate the power of your word in their lives as they surrender to you? And would you say, Lord, show yourself to me. Let me see you. Connect me to Jesus. Give me strength. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to turn from it, Lord. Help me to walk away from it. And help me to accept the one who is able to save me from damnation. And I'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May God keep you. And I hope that something was said that will encourage you and cause you to want to discover more of who this person is, 
Jesus Christ. Connect yourself to him. Abide in him. Hang on to him. You'll never regret it. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. God bless.